Hey everyone, welcome back to the Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Jo Lenehan, and I'm delighted to be back with another episode, ready to open your minds and hearts to some really exciting new developments in the fashion industry. Today's guest is Katie Lopez. She's the creative director of Stripe and Stare. Katie spent six years creating the world's comfiest and most sustainable knickers, and in my humble opinion, she has truly succeeded. Stripe and Stare's biodegradable underwear is redefining industry standards and offering a zero-waste solution to a product that can't be recycled or bought secondhand. In this episode, Katie shares her journey from retail to brand co-founder and talks about her experience of scaling a business with a female team. As a personal fan of the brand, this was such a pleasure and I know you're going to get so much from this conversation. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review if you enjoyed the chat. Over to my conversation with Katie. Listen, you are so, so welcome. This is such a personal pleasure for me. I mean, all of the podcast episodes are, but as I was telling you, I'm such a huge fan and I think what your company is doing is amazing. And I know everyone who's listening is going to want to know everything about you, where the journey started and how you decided to start this company with your co-founders. So maybe to start, you can just tell us a little bit about your history and your career. Um, and I guess everything that led up to Stripe and Stairs inception. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you for having me. Um, God, it's been a really long journey. I'm feeling old and tired. I'm, um, I've been working in fashion since I was 28 and I'm now 46. So how many years is that? God, is it 18 years? Like that is a long time. So anyway, I, I used to have my own retail stores in London. Um, I'm half Australian, so I used to sort of bring in a lot of Australian labels and designers, um, and that's kind of how it began. But then we used to buy a lot from America and things like that. But um, fashion was so hard, you know, cyclical with the seasons and preferences changing. And it was so hard to make money by the time you'd paid your landlord and your staff. So I was always on the lookout for ways to bolster the business. Um, and I got really interested in underwear because I began to sell a brand from America and they were super expensive they were like 18 pounds a pair and women would come in and just buy armfuls of them I was like what is this what is this product I thought I'd sell like a few but women would literally come in and buy armfuls of them so I got super interested in underwear and um realized that once they find a brand of underwear they like they tend to stick with it for a really long time like the loyalty is amazing because everyone you know once you find that shape you love that fits you then you just go back for more again and again um, so I began to do some research because there was, then I tried to, I was like, oh, it's great. We've got this lacy G-string, but we're British and we like a knicker. So there was nothing cool and fun and contemporary. You know, you had Victoria's Secret at one end, then you had Marks and Spencer's at the other end. And it was like, well, why is there nothing in between? And why is all this underwear being produced by male-led companies rather than women? Surely we know what we want to wear better than a man designing it for us and telling us what we should be wearing. And then the other thing, so I went on a quest to create the world's most comfortable knicker, but it was, a, so this was around sort of 2007, 2008. So it was becoming apparent the damage that fashion was doing to the planet. You know, we were just waking up, the research was just coming through as to um, fashion being the second biggest, depends which report you read, second or third biggest polluting industry on the planet. So um, it felt, just felt like that moment that we had the knowledge now that we were, were doing significant damage to, to the planet. So if you were going to start something new, you should do it in the right way. And at that point, about 1% of underwear was sustainably sourced. And I was like, how is that possible for something that we all use and wear every single day, that it's not being sourced better? 
So part of the journey from the very outset was to make sure that this was a, a sustainable product that did better for the planet, as well as not compromising on the comfort and the quality and all of those things. But the shop was amazing because it actually gave me a sort of six year daily focus group where I could try out different fibers, where I could talk to customers every single day. Literally, I became obsessed with like those knickers you bought. So I'd, I'd do a production run and then I'd um, sell it. So then I, when customers came back in, I'd be like, what did you think? Did you like them? Were they comfy? So it took six years of that research and development to get to a formula of what I felt was the most sustainable fiber plus the most comfortable fitting. So yeah, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> Well, it, to- it makes total sense now that it, like you've designed it basically on a lot of feedback from women, because like the point that you raised about under being designed by men, you know, when a pair of underwear has not been designed by women. <laughs> Nobody's bothered to try it on before they make it. <laughs> and on the quest to like find sustainable underwear and socks, which is such a difficult thing to do. The underwear piece, I did try some brands who I won't mention here, but they were absolutely unwearable. Like, yes, organic or whatever, but it's like, this is completely impractical. And at the end of the day, anyone who makes a change in the name of sustainability, unless it's functional and practical and it actually does the job, there's no point. It's got to stack up. And with our sort of um, PR marketing, we we focus obviously a lot on the sustainability, but for me, gosh, it shouldn't even be a question of the sustainability. Like it shouldn't just be for sustainable like advocates, people who are passionate about it. I really want to make a difference to women's lives and to the way they shop, but without compromising on all those things. But also it's got to slip. We're all so busy. It's got to slip easily into our lives and be functional at the same time. Um, so I'm like, we're very focused on trying to make it mainstream rather than just for niche people who are passionate about sustainability. So that was always part, part of this is that we wanted to create a product that was better for the planet that people could easily slot into their lives. And we do quite a lot of work with other brands. Like, you know, there's some amazing brands out there now. Um, so, we, so other brands that are small daily tweaks you can make to your life. Like the one I always use as the example is Wild Deodorant. Have you come across them? Yeah. So other brands like that, that are just easy changes to make, which don't cost the earth, but, but, but that you use on a daily basis. And we really hope those small changes will add up to a, a big difference. Absolutely. And again, like yourself and Wild, I mean, you are in the same in the same boat and that like it's actually a lovely stuff to make. Like it doesn't feel like you're having a downgrade or you're sacrificing something like Stripenster is the most comfortable underwear ever. Like and like you're so right. The sustainability and the biodegradability and the packaging and everything is such a wonderful bonus. But at the end of the day, they are such a pleasure to wear and wash and wear again. Having created a product where you've just got total confidence that 96% of women who try our knickers say they're their favorites. It's like you know, it's tough running your own business. So that feedback, you need it on those bad days when you're, I don't know, your knickers have been like left out in the rain by a delivery company or something. <laughs> you've got, I mean, you go through it all when it's your own business, but knowing that fundamentally you've got something that women genuinely love is it, it's really what the energy that keeps us all going like because we're we are a female founded female-led company and 95 percent of our team are women and it's just like we have fun you know it's stressful it's hard work it's high energy like there's a lot going on but but it every day is fun because we all another part of our brand um dna was was addressing that gap in the market for underwear between Victoria's Secret and Marks and Spencer like something that's cool and comfort doesn't sacrifice on the style for comfort as well but remember we were doing all of this before the Me Too movement 
um, and all of those things. So we've been really lucky actually to be, that women have sort of woken up while I've been on this journey to create the perfect knicker. Women have kind of woken up to us not being quite where we thought we were, I think, in the world in terms of equality. So it's, um, we've been in the right place at the right time for that as well. Well, I'd love to talk to you about the business side of it because obviously you had this great idea you developed this amazing product i mean now it's like a global brand so how was that so sweet of you. we're trying it's not there yet we are trying but how is that process i mean you're available here in ireland you're obviously huge in the uk like how was that scaling journey for you personally oh my god the irish women love us literally you're one of our biggest markets irish people are no nonsense and like we just want to get on with things and we're not like the french you know i have so many extremely stylish friends but like they will just will not go near a lacy knickers they're like that is completely impractical i have stuff to do today <laughs> so you found your customer base <laughs> is our sort of internal company motto is get shit done and and our tagline is because nothing great was ever achieved in uncomfortable knickers so i'm delighted to hear that irish women have responded that makes complete sense but yeah in terms of like scaling it and, and even i can imagine like dealing with suppliers and saying to them like we want to do this kind of knickers it's going to have this kind of packaging like you were very much ahead of your time so was it challenging was it were people encouraging but i'm such a sort of believer in the universe kind of brings along the right things at the right time because when i'd had this idea for underwear um i i i got introduced really randomly to somebody who had an underwear factory like we source all over the world um so it's really annoying that we can't have them made in the UK, which is what we would love to do, but it, they would just be too expensive. And we're trying to create a product that is sort of accessible because sustainability is more expensive. Like the way our fibers are made is it's an expensive process. So there's no way we can compete with the sort of the high street um, for price, but we hope that the quality and the sort of cost per wear balances that out. But it, it does mean that they have to be made internationally. So we make in Portugal, Sri Lanka, and um, China. And everyone, as soon as I say China, goes, <clears throat> but for me, it's very much about who you partner with, with rather than where they're based. Because the, the, the actually the Chinese factory are the ones that start that helped me from the very beginning develop the product. They were the ones who actually found this fiber which um, they believed was the most sustainable out there and actually it's been backed up by the sustainable apparel coalition they just launched an index where they um, compare everything from organic cotton to bamboo to linen you know and where they rate on a scale of sustainability and, and the tencel that we used from lensing in austria came out number one um, so yeah it was a it was a journey to get to that, I mean, that took six years is to find the exact right fabric. I'd done the retail for 10 years and it got to the end of the lease on the shop and I was just so sick of retail because it was so hard to, you know, you kill yourself just to break even basically. And it was a seven day a week. Um, but Selfridges actually came to us and said, we can't find a really sustainable knicker. And I mean, this is what I mean about the universe, just right place, right time. So, so Alana Weston herself, who was the chairwoman of um, Selfridges, She's actually just stepped down, but she handpicked us for her shop floor because she's so passionate about sustainability. Like, and she talked about being ahead. I mean, my goodness, she banned plastic bottles on the Selfridges shop floor, I think 10 years ago, you know, before anyone else was even thinking about it. So she's a real inspiration. But so little, little things like that. So we got picked up by Selfridges sort of as I was stepping back from the store and launching Stripe and Stair with my um, business partner, Nicola. Um, we literally got approached by Selfridges 
to say, for them saying, you know, and by this point, I think 3% of underwear was sustainably sourced, but they couldn't find a sustainable underwear brand that they wanted to carry. So they have picked us and then they introduced us because they own Brown Thomas. So they introduced us to Brown Thomas in Ireland who have been amazing. We love them. Any excuse for a trip to Ireland. And um, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. And my business partner and I, you know, we, we took a little bit of money at the beginning from a seed investor, but uh, so little, like tiny. I always read about these companies in America who kind of raise $10 million to launch their business. And I'm like, what do you do with it? What do you spend all that money on? See, we started really slowly. So we had, a, it was actually 70,000 pounds. We had a seed investment, which funded the first production run. And then we were always going to be a um, direct to consumer, so sort of an e-commerce business first. And then the wholesale was just such a lovely piece to have with that. So we started stocking stores from the outset, like Selfridges, Brand Thomas, and then Shopbop in America picked us up. Because I thought it was only going to be British women who wore knickers. I just assumed all Americans wore thongs. And they were like, no, no, the buyers, they were like, no, no, the younger, cooler girl actually prefers a knicker because brands like you, yours, you can wear and you don't get the VPL, you get the ultimate comfort. So they're all switching from thongs to, to knickers. So that was when I kind of was like, oh, this could be an international business. <laughs> so another terrifying statistic is the Rose Report um, found that only 1% of venture capital money, so investment money goes to female-led businesses. Pretty shocking. I know. <laughs> but it's because I think we're really bad at walking into a room and going, I'm going to create a 50 million pound business. You know, we're like, oh, well, you know, we might do this and we'll try that. You know, we're, we're just risk averse, much more risk averse, I think. I mean, these are sweeping generalizations, but on the whole, I think women are much more risk averse. So we were very you know, start slow, test, 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 slow build. And then it just kind of starting with like minimal overheads. It was literally just my business partner and I at the beginning. And then my mum would come in and help pack orders for free. And we would, then we would just gift social media influencers that we liked. Um, but then we had amazing support over Instagram. And it's just kind of slowly built from there, basically. I think there's so much to be said for building a company that way I think you know a lot of people now think you have this great idea like you said you get a shit ton of money to invest and then suddenly you're this global brand and I love that your approach was like very practical you took your time you really honed in on making a really good product it grew slowly yes you had some lovely universe helping you along moments with selfishes and the like but that's what it takes to build a long-lasting business and I think it's really great to hear those stories because so many people have businesses and it is such a slog and it does take time and you know this kind of myth that it just happens overnight and you get lucky is just really oh no it's hard. just it's, you've got to you've got to learn and you have to learn the hard way as well like you'll make so many mistakes but it's about I think having that fundamental belief in something that you are truly passionate about and so for us we were always truly passionate about the sustainability and the knickers and the women-led um part you know and those are really true authentic messages for us and I think when you mean it people can sense that like we we always try to be super honest with our customers um in everything we do and we say so yeah it's it, and they respond really well to that people are people I don't know they're just so used to being marketed to or you know, the greenwashing and like everyone making these different sustainable claims. So we try, we try really hard to back up anything we say with external verification. So when we say the world's most comfortable knickers, they agreed by 96% of the customer reviews on our website. It, we 
Forbes have said that about us, the Times have said that about us, you know, so backing it up with other people. So it's like, don't just hear it from us. It's so funny, we get so many messages from women who are like, it's true, they are. And they kind of don't believe it. You know, you just don't believe anything you're told. Because we, just, we just get told so much nonsense. But, um, so that's that's really what, like having that passion, I think is so important because even it's always going to be tough. So if you don't have the passion, there's no point even trying, I don't think, because find something you're passionate about because it's going to be so much hard work that you have to slightly love it as well. I would love to talk about another problem that you're solving, which is the afterlife of a product because you have biodegradable underwear and you know it's one of those things that people always get on to me and they're like you know I've done so well with like making sustainable you know choices and I make sure I recycle but like what do I do with my underwear and like I mean I don't think there's really a solution for it except to, to buy a product like yours because you can't you can't buy it secondhand you know it's really hard what do you do with them at the end of their life so so the lensing fibers because they're from a sort of non-protected FSC approved 100% regenerated um tree so they um they are biodegradable because it's like they're lensing this company we work with from Austria like they're now lensing make up the basis of every product we make because we trust them above all others in terms of sustainability. They're amazing. Like I like highly recommend going and looking at their website. Um, they're so innovative, but um, they, yeah. So it's, because it's all wood, it all, it's like from nature back to nature. But our issue was always to get the stretch. You needed the elastic in it. So at the moment, our main line is 95% biodegradable, but we beginning of last year, 2021, we went on a mission because we just thought there was so much greenwashing going on. And we obviously had this issue with ours only being 95% biodegradable. Um, so we took a step back at the beginning of last year and was like, right, how do we address all of this? And we decided to, um, we, uh, we, so last year we um, submitted for B Corps approval so we've been going through that process for literally a year we should have the verification any day now um, we've been approved in principle we just need the final last stamp on it but we felt like that was really important to show that we've been really thoroughly analyzed by an independent body to show that we're the real deal and so that was one thing we wanted to do to stand out in this world of greenwashing and then the other thing we wanted to do was go on a mission to get our knickers to 100 biodegradability so we um there was this there's this amazing new elastane from japan it's called roika and it's the world's first i think there's a couple of others coming out now but at the time it was the world's first 100 biodegradable elastane and that and we make sure that all these claims are independently backed up as well so if some so if when roika or lensing make a claim we make sure that they've got the external verification there's an amazing mark that people can look out for called cradle to cradle have you heard of it you know it. yeah amazing it's so hard to get like this is why you don't really see it anywhere because it's they're so thorough um but so all the fibers that go into our products we try and make sure they've got that certification because that's the real deal but um so yeah so we we found god it was such a my my job before fashion was I was a television researcher and I think that's really stood me in good stead because I I love being told to go and find something out so I was like right research 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 who can we partner with to um to to make the, this biodegradable product anyway to cut a very long story short we finally found someone who could incorporate the Roika elastanes into a lace and into the fabric body 
Um, and so I think it was September last year, we launched the world's first 100% biodegradable lace knicker, which literally we've got a video. Have you seen our time-lapse video? It's so cool. You can literally bury them in your garden because that's the other thing. Biodegradability to us means everybody has to be able to biodegrade it. I don't want it to have to be sent out to some sort of biodegrading industrial plant. You've got to be able to do it yourself. But these you can literally bury in the garden and the, the video shows they're gone in 180 days. So we're super proud of that. You've swept through the process there, but I can imagine how painstaking it was to get to that. And when you find what you're looking for, it's like, <laughs> it's so rewarding. <laughs> the payoff, especially with that, and to be the world's first, and to, I mean, that is literally going to solve a massive issue, which is that you never need to throw away your underwear again or wonder what to do with them. It's in, it's just amazing. Yeah, the landfill thing was obviously like a massive because we've all seen those terrifying um, images and seen the statistics on what ends up in landfill and it is really terrifying so because it is something you can't buy secondhand we were like right this is this is the only solution for underwear really is to make sure it just disappears in the office how do you celebrate a moment like that when it finally we never do it's so rubbish it's such the way isn't it like you spend all this time then you're like okay it's done you're on to the next but like I mean, there's always something more coming at you so it's like you never take a moment to pause and go oh my god this is amazing we finally had a Christmas party because our team went from four to 25 in two years so we had all these new people starting all the time we finally had a night out in March together which was very funny so we celebrated with Cage dancing in a nightclub in Plymouth because our offices are in Devon <laughs> they were dressed in stripe and stare oh they were all of their stripe and stare don't worry <laughs> maybe, maybe not showing them oh my goodness but a number of times like it's so funny you work in underwear and you go to if you're like at a wedding or a party someone will be running up to you and like lifting up their dress after they've drunk champagne and gone look at wearing your pants they're so comfortable I'm like oh my god put your dress down <laughs> it's the ultimate unwanted compliment <laughs> absolutely <laughs> obviously I want to ask though what your plans are and like what you're focused on next which I know is such a generic question but I feel like you guys are so forward thinking well, okay so I I have I have to put people around me who don't let me like lose focus because if it was up to me we'd be designing everything on the planet that we could sustainably sustainably but for us it's about focusing in really really hard on one thing and doing one thing brilliantly and like we we truly believe we have the best knickers in the world so now it's just about expanding that everywhere um because i mean we've we've been quite focused on the uk and ireland we've done quite a lot in america but we've only really really just touched the surface of what we should be doing in getting this product into as many people's wardrobes knicker drawers as possible <laughs> so yeah very focused on knickers and we do lots of fun stuff around it like pajamas and the goes with the best the bras and that sort of thing but just, so just extending out and just because so focusing in on all of those wardrobe staples that you need when you're getting dressed every single morning that you wouldn't wouldn't ever go and buy second hand so it's just trying to change that industry well, I know there's going to be people listening who have not come across you and are literally going to run to BTs and you are in BTs upstairs. Everyone can find you. And I encourage everyone <laughs> to try it because once you try it once, you will not turn back. I'm telling you now. I know we hear that. Everyone says, oh my God, now I've worn them. I've got to go and get rid of all my old underwear and replace it. It's true. <laughs> you honestly can't go back. So I just commend you on everything you're doing and I hope you'll fingers crossed and the B Corp comes in that's the moment you need to celebrate because that is such a huge achievement so I hope you will head back to Plymouth to the cage dances or do something nice to celebrate that moment I'm going to congratulate you in advance um 
<laughs> and if you're ever in Dublin and you need uh, to rally the customers, please let me know. I would love to. to oh, my help. goodness. That is an invitation I'm going to take you up on for sure. We launched a Brown Thomas. I did a road trip through all the stores to do staff training and meet, meet different press and stuff. And it was so fun. I just loved it there. Well, well you're welcome back at any time. You're welcoming. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time and uh, just good luck with everything in the future. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And you.